Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and welcome once again to American Tennis in the new year, 2021. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. And daggone it, everybody says, well, this year can't be as bad. Look, folks. Whatever's coming, it's going to be a challenge, you know. And uh, you're, if you're listening to American Tennis, you know that we don't back down from challenges. We sort of say it the way it is. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get it out there in front, and we're going to try to take it on. But uh, dang, gone, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. This has been a new one for me, for sure, in my sports coaching career, and uh, definitely eight years now. It's coming up on the American tennis program, eight years, almost completed. I'll be in the year nine here pretty soon, but we're glad to keep it rolling and we're going to, and each week we have good, great guests. And each week we talk about those things that need to be said, want to be said. We always say address issues, not people. And you can pretty much say anything you want. Stay professional, address issues, not people. If you go back, we don't talk badly about people, doggone it. This morning I had a friend of mine, and he just said, tell me we've got it. i got to know what happened there. i got to know what happened there. And it was some good, juicy stuff. But I said, listen, man, we, we uh, isn't that one of the big ten? That's one of the big ten. You don't uh, talk, you know, bear false witnesses. One of the, I think it's number nine of the big ten out there. But we, we cannot, you know, try not to talk uh, about, but let's talk about, you know, things that need to happen. We can talk about organizations, but we stay professional, address issues, and uh, let's let's go after and get it on the table. Today we have a rare gift, and I've been wanting this uh, man to be on my program for quite some time, and uh, as things go, uh, we've lost contact the last eight to ten years, but we've, we've uh, reconnected here, and I work with this man intimately. I mean, <laughs> really uh at all hours of the night all all times of the day but he was there through thick and thin 36 years i saw him and worked with him and uh 
His name is uh, Sam Blackman, and uh, I worked with him at Clemson University. And um, he worked in the sports information office. It was associate director there for several years. But let me give you a quick bio about Sam. And uh, when I talk about wisdom and I talk about experience, I don't know, (laughs) in the trenches, doing it every day, every day, every day. And I'm saying coaches put in 12, 14-hour days. Sports information people put in 16 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And they do it in a service manner. But uh, Sam and I got to be very good friends. But I, I told him when I talked to him earlier, and I'm going to get it straight from Sam, but I, I said, look, we've got to do a program and let people know about the importance of the history and the heritage of sports. We are just throwing stuff out there. I mean, I don't recognize some of the sports anymore, what they've done to basketball. Come on, I grew up in Indiana, and, uh, oh, my golly, I talked to uh, – a coach, uh, an old-time coach who's coached over 50 years in the NCAA level, major, major coach. I'm not going to – I talked to him yesterday, and we were just talking about how disgusted we are with what's going on with basketball, how they try to make it an entertainment event. And the chess has been taken out. The checkers has been put in. Of course, tennis. It's not chess anymore. It's checkers. And uh, I just – cannot wait till we lift this ban on meetings and seminars so I can give those folks a, a, a taste of or daggone peace of my mind with what we're doing to the great, great sport of tennis. Do not bastardize it by making it shorter, by just throwing all these, these uh, abbreviated scoring systems out there. Come on, administrators. What are you thinking? But you're going to tear it apart. Well, the history and the heritage of sports are extremely important, too. And I have never, in my whole time in the South, I do not know of anybody who's a better historian of, this, of sports. This man, Sam Blackman, uh, I was able to assist him. I'd say 75 to 80% of the book, Where the Tigers Play, a 110-year history of Clemson athletics, was done by him. Now, I was... I was fortunate enough to be able to add some colorful stories and connect some things and write some stories about things I knew. And we had the great Bob Bradley before he passed away, be able to help him in his later few years and would like to give him some credit. But Sam had all the information. One of the best history sports books uh, for Clemson's hot right now. And, uh, but where the Tigers play, we did four more versions of it. And, uh, I'll get the fellow's name that also helped Sam up there, but I was able to add a few stories in there. But I'm very proud of that. Two master's degrees, undergraduate at Clemson University, two master's degrees. Uh, It's just a service-oriented person. And uh, also president of the South Carolina Hall of Fame. Um, You know, in, in other words, we're talking about all sports in the South Carolina Hall of Fame. Well, and I'm going to get him on the line here. And uh, Sam, just about there you are. Okay, Sam, it's it's wonderful to have you on the line. And I I don't have time to just uh, you know blow the smoke up there and just say hey man. But what whatever you and I have shared a lot of late hours together, haven't we, over the years? Yes, yes we have, Coach. And I just want to wish you and your listeners a happy new year. 
uh, I just appreciate that that nice introduction, Coach. That, uh, and it's an honor and privilege to be on on the show with you. Well, thank you. You know, I, I often one of my favorite sayings is, regardless in life of your prosperity, your posterity is the most important thing. <clears throat> when the good Lord takes us out one day. Um, and, or takes us home, I should say. That's a better way to put it instead of taking us out. It, we don't get to take anything with us except that which we have left to other people. And um, I, I cannot get over, first of all, so many years that I worked and shared, uh, 10,000 days I did, so I think you did 12,351 days and 22 hours. Okay. From what, any, anyhow, I, I, yeah. uh, you basically put in so many days of work, but I learned to respect you first as, as a worker. Secondly, I learned integrity uh, as a man. But, wow, did we have some wonderful times. And you're punch drunk at the end of sporting events. You know, at the end of a long tennis match day or at the end of a long business day, could I ask you, first of all, I want to get into the history and the heritage and how important that is because I wrote you up and I, I put Sam's research and work in sports history and uh, preservation of the history of sports for 36 years. The history and the heritage of sports is critically important. Without it, the sport only becomes a short version of entertainment instead of the great teaching tool that it should be. And that's how I sort of let in here. But could I could I just, you know, for folks out there who think, wow, I'd, I'd really like to get into, uh, you know, the athletic departments and learn about these things, could you go through a little bit um, how you started out? You started out as a graduate assistant, and then you worked your way into it. But I'd like to, for you to talk about your normal day, and I didn't exaggerate right. when I said you have some 16-hour days. So go ahead yeah, if you could elaborate that is, on that, that is, a little bit. That is that is correct, uh, Coach. Was, uh, we we uh, worked in what they call sports information office. Some people call it the publicity office. Some people now, I think the current term they use is athletic communications. And what we're responsible for, Coach, is uh, statistics of uh, sports, keeping the statistics at the various sports, and uh, recording the the results, and also then sending out to the newspapers, radio, and television station the results of uh, what uh, uh, the college team has done, and uh, also we uh, then later on in my career we had to update. The uh, website, the uh, official website, uh, plan, right, right. We didn't have everything and, and was in paper like until well, everything was in yes. paper until what about late nineties, right? Yeah, we, uh, I would say it was starting to get in there around late nineties, early two thousands, and you know you mm-hmm. had the official website ClemsonTigers dot com, and we had to update that, and and then it kind of swung where that's more important than trying to get things out to the media. Uh, but uh, I always, you know, try to do uh, treat every everything the same, and I to get it out to the media, and you know, of course, update the website as quickly as we could after a sporting event. And what we would do, coach, is we'd start the day early in the morning and uh, get in there, maybe 
uh, start working on, on various projects. Like if we had a tennis match that day, we would uh, uh, do a little game program. I, I like to put both rosters on, on a little and and then put some facts and some uh, updated statistics on the And you couldn't Clemson pull that team. off the internet. You you would have to call their sports information department sure, and then get sure. access. Right. Yes. Yeah. Back in the early days, I used to uh, I used to call and say, "Hey, can I get a tennis roster from you and your latest stats?" And we would use this machine called a telecopter. It was a fascinating machine. I still don't know how it worked, but Anyway, we would, uh, whenever we would send out releases uh, or someone called us for rosters, we would load this uh, our printed page on on the mach- in the machine, and then we would call them and say, "Are you ready to receive?" And they would stick their phone in this machine, then I would stick my phone in the machine, and it would take six minutes to do a full page of uh, hmm. of, uh, of the, what was on that printed page. And then that's how and that's how we sent releases out after the match is uh, is we would uh, type up a story, then put our printed page in the machine, call up different newspapers, stick the phone in the machine. They would stick the phone in their machine, and it would transmit over the telephone lines. And that's how we transferred information. Then, of course, it got to be where we emailed things to each other, and that made it so much simpler. And it made made it easier for the newspaper people because they didn't have to type up the story again. It would already be there, and the only thing they would have to do was either shorten it Treasure. or either dress it up or whatever they wanted to do. So email made our job so much easier, and we got more in the newspapers, I found, because they didn't have to retype everything, and uh, and it was already there for them to cut, paste, etc., but uh, it, that, that my uh, business and uh, in my in my uh, uh, my profession really had changed. You know, I saw a lot of changes. I started in 1982, and I saw a lot of changes in that. And I saw how sports writers how they transmit their stories. Uh, you know, we used to at, after a football game, we used to uh, we used to. Uh, transmit their stories for them using that machine I told you about, the telecopter. That's how they got stories back to their respective newspapers. And after a 1 o'clock football game, it would end about 4 o'clock, 4.30, we would still be telecopying stories way into the night. I'd say we would walk out of there maybe about 9, 30, 10 o'clock after a 1 o'clock football game. But at uh, six yeah, minutes yeah. it'd pop, right? You you, you had to yeah, you had six, six minutes so so yeah. you'd have to type the story, then you'd have to say right. call the Atlanta Constitution or whatever and right. you'd have yeah. to put the phone in at six minutes and then you go, Okay, well we got a call now, the Charleston Journal. Yes. Okay, now we yes. gotta call yeah. the New York Times. Wow. Yes. How many uh-huh. how many and, how many um uh, newspapers did you probably send a, a teletype story out to? I we had to get everybody. Coach, yes, you know, the, the respective newspapers say, hey, send this to my newspaper. And I would say, Coach, I would say it was probably about 20 or 25 different newspapers. Well, and, well. And, and sometimes they would bring their own machine and they would do it themselves. But 
but most often than not, we used to telecopy it ourselves. Now, before the telecopier, uh, this is before my time, I understand that a newspaper man would sit there with, behind his type and, and type the story, and then there would be Western Union operators in the press box, and they would uh, they would send it through uh, Western Union, you know, and that's how they got the stories back to the newspapers using a, you know, like a uh, using Western Union like a. Uh, uh, you know, they would type it, and it, it would transmit over over special lines, and and I, it, it was just fascinating to hear that because you know they would have to, the Western Union operators would have to type the story over again, and then they right. would transmit it, like I said, over their 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 lines, and then it would get to the newspaper over teletype machine. And that's how they got the story uh, to well, them. And uh, that, that, it was very slow, but, uh, you know, they would, and then I guess at the newspapers, they would have to set the type and then print it. But things have changed so much. And like I said, uh, we would, uh, it would be long hours uh, after a football game. And uh, we would, you know, get everything done. And we were there to assist the media. And that's what we did to answer any questions that they may have after a game, you know, like uh, can you do you can you uh, do you have uh, any more information where you know about this this young man that caught the winning touchdown? And we would, you know, have the bio on the man and things like this, and we would assist the media. Well, but uh, <clears throat> it has become a very competitive uh, thing now where. There's so many websites that come in to, or that have replaced some of our newspaper. You know, newspapers used to send four or five different sports writers. There would be the columnist. They would be, the, you know, someone that would write the, the game story after a football game. Then there would be someone that write a sidebar, like on, you know, a little more detail on the guy that scored the winning touchdown or had a big game. And then there would be like the fourth or fifth man would be there to type up the statistics, so you would see that in the newspaper and whatnot. And now I would say, coach, uh, newspapers might send one, maybe two people. Right. It is really well, gone down. Well, you can tell. Yeah, sorry for jumping in, but you can tell by the writing. I, I mean, when you get a newspaper, I used to read the sports page pages and it would take me an hour or so and the articles were fantastic and i'm not right. slamming any particular newspaper guy but all of you need to do a better job at the, the stories though are like wait a minute this is pretty darn generic there's no right. nothing that makes me curious about what's going on in this kid's life there's nothing that <clears throat> is surprised this is very very generic this looks like huh boy and and so you get it's been genericized instead of hey have you read the the Greenville News article on you know uh, you know Trevor Lawrence here what they just said here boy this is really something and that would be different than maybe the Augusta Herald or something like that right exactly it's just uh, you know someone told me uh, uh, one one year you know uh, they said I took I quit taking my 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 subscription to the local newspaper. I said, "Why did you do that for?" I said, "Newspapers are still good." 
He said, no. He said, son, I can throw the, the paper up in the air and read the sports section. That's before it hits the ground. It's, it's, uh, it's so yes. abbreviated now. It's not it's yes. no yes. substance to it anymore. And, it, and it is true. It's just like they're on these quick deadlines and they can't get any material in there. And they just try to meet the deadline of rather than say like eleven or twelve o'clock at night, they have to get everything in by seven or eight o'clock, and that makes a big difference the substance of the newspaper. And then the columnist, I think, is just about a thing of the past, you know, where you have a man writing his opinion and challenging the readers of uh, of something, you know, of a uh, of an issue. So that has really changed a lot. You know, the, you used to, you know, you used to kind of would uh, keep up with current events. If you read the front page of a newspaper, then you turn to the editorial page. But, you know, a lot, a lot of that is waning now where you just well, have it, little it used or no, to, no substance. It used, to, it used to provoke your intellect. It, it used to take you somewhere. It was something... Like, yeah, the newspaper, if you look at it, you could throw it up in the air, and it's like, I literally, I've tried to buy a few. I stopped uh, I stopped my subscription to the local paper because it was so propagandized and just one-dimensional. Uh, right. I, but here's the point. I buy it, at, Sammy, I buy it at the uh, grocery store sometimes, and I'll sit down to read it if I can at breakfast or something. Oh, whoa, I was three minutes Nothing there. I might look at the golf standings to see, you know, how uh, the great, great uh, tennis player Jay Berger's son Daniel Berger's doing out on the pro tour. Uh, right. I'll look for his name always. I look at his name two or three times a week, maybe if I get a newspaper. But other than that, I'm going. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. And then when there is an article, it, it just lacks the curiosity and the things like that. Now, let me ask you a real quick question. You're talking about you talk about football. How many sports did you had had at Clemson? There were nineteen, correct? It was about nineteen. I think was the maximum number that they ever had, and we tried to deal with every sport as best we could. You know, uh, we tried to spend as much time as we could on every sport that we had. We were, you know. We weren't blessed to have a abundance of staff, so you know that caused a lot of long hours and. And uh, you know, I, I kind of got hey, off. Hey, when you left, they hired five people to take over. Yeah. What what you yeah. had to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, they did hire some more people. There's you know, whole <laughs> army seems like the people now. I wish we had that earlier, but uh, yeah. there for a while we only had three people, and we had some right. student assistants, which were just so yeah. valuable to to us. And right. And uh, but uh, getting, I kind of got off topic, but. Like no. you were asking me what a typical day was. Well, like like I said, if we had a tennis match or baseball game, et cetera, we would do uh, game programs, and then we would Xerox those and make copies, and then we would take it to uh, the to the you know different venues uh, there, like to a tennis to the tennis courts and baseball to the baseball field. Right. And then uh, then the competition would start, and then we would. Uh, we would get the scores from the results, and it, that would be around the supper hour, around the dinner hour, and then you know we would uh, we would get the results, talk to the coach, get a couple quotes from him, and then we would uh, type the story, and then 
what I call send it out, give send it to the media, send it to the radio and television stations that we had on a on a on a list that we call all the time. I I believed in whether you win or lose, you still sent out the scores and results. You know that's right. that was a that was that's rule number one. And then uh, and then you would always be professional about well. it. That's rule number two. And then. You would also uh, would just try to get things out, publicize clumps, and let the world know uh, whether the teams won or lost. And and then uh, we would be respectful of their deadlines because we knew getting around nine nine thirty, you know, newspapers like to get things early as possible so they can get it in their newspapers. Now I'm talking about ten, fifteen, twenty years ago when newspapers put a lot of other uh, things in. You know, they had room yeah. to put scores, right, right, et cetera. Right, right. Uh, and like and I would argue, it, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. That, no, I, I just want to say, I'd like, I'd argue that newspapers, we all know that they're getting sort of weeded out in, in things, but yes, they've done it yes, to themselves, yes. too, because yes, yes. they're writing and the stories and the personal interest and things that, that are really, really important. The writing is just diminished to the place where it's just not even worth reading. There are, you know, you've got your Wall Street journals and things, but, you know, there's now the Epoch Times. Epoch Times is a fantastic thing. Great, great stories. I mean, I'm, I, my daughter, who's a junior in high school, reads that from cover to cover. Uh, basically, the story's well written, and, and, and the same thing with the Wall Street journals are still – but it's just awful. It's just so it it is. poorly done. It is. Poorly done. It is. And they just have eliminated so many of their staff, you know, uh, and then right. some of them, you know, you know, you go into a town and, you know, a very featured part of that town was the newspaper building. You know, they would build these nice buildings right. and it'd be fully yeah. staffed. And, of course, now they're abandoning those buildings. Everybody's working at home and et cetera. And, yeah. and it's just it's just not a uh, – it's just, it's just a dying breed, yeah. I'm afraid, of, in our newspapers. And uh, but but the finish off about the hours and, you know, by the time you would get the results and scores out, to the newspapers and media, it'd be about nine, ten o'clock at night before you, you know, finish up with everything. So that would be a typical day in in my life, uh, you know, uh, working in what calls sports information office uh, at Clemson. But uh, what, but touching on newspapers, coach, uh, the founded fathers of our country built in the Constitution, you know, the freedom of press. It was to me the newspapers and the media is a unwritten check and balance for our government. And I think that's the reason they they had the freedom of the press because newspapers would cover politics, you know, the going ons of our government, and it was a good check and balance because if something went right, you read about it in the newspapers and in the editorial sections, et cetera. And it allowed right. the editorial section allowed the readers to voice their opinions, et cetera. So we're, we're, we, we are losing a good 
institution, if you will, the newspapers uh, in the way they used to be. And uh, I've been seeing websites. When you get on websites, you don't know if it's fact or fiction. Or fiction, you just, yeah. you, just, you, just, you just don't know. Would, and it's a lot of fake news that are, is getting out. So, would you but, say that newspapers now are a marketing tool instead of an information free flow of the truth? They're a mar- yes, would you I, say they're, they've, they've been diminished to a marketing tool? I would say. Would you so, say that? I, I, yeah, yeah. Yes, I would. I would say so because oh. is they're not a shadow of what they used to be. And, and right, I'm right. Just it, and, and I would agree with people, you. And I knew I knew what people, your answer would be there. But. People used to judge you, uh, like in my <clears> job, <throat> if it didn't get in one, in one or two particular papers, you didn't do a good job. And and that's what I'm saying. It had to be true. Newspaper. It had to be true. Yeah. That's right. There's an that's element. Exactly right. it, it had to be factual, and people. I mean, it it really had to hold up. It had to hold water. But yes, uh, and, exactly. You know, and the the shame of information. And I don't want to get off on this, but I I do want to move in a direction. And ask you about the books here in a second. But uh, you know, the problem is you used to have to have a platform to either right. present something as an expert, give a talk present something in the newspaper. There had to be a platform. Now, the freedom of, you know, the Internet and everything, and whether it's Facebook, I call it fake book a lot, and or, you right. know, it's a beautiful thing that I have a radio program. I have a radio program right. that I've done here for eight years. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. However, the the, the bad side of that, the bad side of that is that very often information does not have to be true, and and the point is, if if you, I, this is a terrible thing to say, but cheaters do win, and they win. Right. We always used to say they got caught, but you have a tremendous advantage if you are dishonest and frame the story until you're found out. But then even now, That's when you're right. found out, there's such a fast moving thing, you know, where we champion the weak, we we uh, reward the wrong things in our society very, very often. And people have gone to relativism, which is a whole different topic. In my sport, Sammy, which you know, they have diminished diminished the importance of the sport, not, not through the lack of popularity, but the lack of presence that it has and substance that it does not have now because they've weakened it when you when you continue to champion the weak you weaken the real champions let me talk quickly here i have got to go to commercial here in about three four minutes i want to i want to talk about the history and the heritage of sports and your impact of that because the biggest thing your biggest byproduct of your years and years and thousands of hours of work was that if i somebody said to say how do i find out about what happened in Florence, South Carolina, or uh, Saluda, South Carolina, or Augusta, you know, in sports, I'd say call Sam Blackman. I would Because you would know where to go get the information, how to get it, and those things. I want to talk about that afterwards, but I did want to, sure. I did want to talk about this one thing here. Okay, the byproduct, the byproduct of what you got... I told my children they were studying so hard this morning. Wednesday's their big crunch day with all their 
tests and everything they were studying, that my son was complaining. And I said, son, you can whine all you want, but the work's going to still be there. <laughs> and they yes. cracked down. But, I, but, but here I told them, I said, pain is but for a moment. The results from the work you get last a lifetime. Now, your prosperity might have been done with the work that you did, but your posterity comes in your knowledge and your wisdom and everything that you acquired. Um, right. You know, I think about the hours and hours of you're doing having to do brochures for those sports and all of those right. things and all of the facts, but the curiosity, the hunger of an inquisitive mind. So could you talk briefly, you know, about how that sort of came about? And, uh, you know, I worked with you on this project, you know, with with, with the books. Right. You had – somebody right. asked me yesterday. My son was in the car when I was talking to you. We were talking about the outline of a program. He said, he said so, you know, Papa – he called me Papa. Papa, so uh, you and Mr. Sam worked. I said, we sure did. I got to know him so well, and we just had a regular work schedule. But, son, he did – 75 or 80 percent of the book he had all the information from years and years of work and i said and then mr bradley was there we were able to get some of the things from him but sam blackman you put this stuff together but go ahead and talk about the books and where the tigers sure. play well what we did and your other book uh, too yeah yeah we used to uh media guides or brochures on all our sports and we'd try to make them as big as we could as far as page numbers and and I started doing a chronological history on all our sports and, you know, make it more informative. And then you can look back, you know, years later and say, hey, 1921, Clemson played his first dual match in tennis, you know, where you play like Duke or Walford or, or whoever. And, uh, and you know, and we started men's tennis at Clemson in 1907. And, 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 you know, that was whenever they used to have state tournaments among all the state schools uh, here in South Carolina. And and it, I just thought that would be interesting. And like I said, it added more pages to our media guides uh, on our sports. And uh, it would uh, – and we also tried to update, uh, have as many records as we could in our media guides, and so from that, you told you came by my office one time. You said, "Sam, you need to write a book and put all this together on the history of Clemson athletics." And and uh, and you contacted the publisher and things, and that's how we started writing the books. Uh, you know, which I feel like is the most comprehensive uh, book it is. on uh, co- it, it, college it, it, uh, team. And everything, the folks out there, even if you're not, a, if you're a Clemson fan, where the Tigers play, Sam Blackman, and then my name's on there too. But, and uh, but the point is with that Sam and and uh, Don. Who? Let's see. Dang it! Dang it! What the, slipped my mind? Uh, the guy that helped us there. Yeah, Will Vanderbilt. Will Vanderbilt. Sorry, sorry, Will. Yeah, I'm just. Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. You know. You know, and. Uh, but the point is, with Mr. Bradley on that first book, you had it all ready to go, and we were able to put it together. <laughs> and, and I, what long hours we went to two Indianapolis 500s together, I believe. Yes, we, we went did. up yes, to we uh, Illinois, yeah. and we. Yep. Can I tell a quick story? So back sure, in those days, sure. we had to go to Triumph 
press. It was in Champaign, Illinois, I think. And uh, yeah. we drove and drove and drove and got up there and made it a trip where we went to the Indianapolis 500 as well. And that was fantastic. But we ended up the night before we had to take all those pictures. You cleared out all the file cabinets of the Clemson file cabinets yeah. and sports information. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was sacred stuff. So <clears throat> we were in our room. Ready for the evening, and a big storm came up, and the sirens went off, the, the tornado sirens, and the, on, came across the TV, and head for cover, there's a tornado coming down, whatever it was, I, what was that, I-90 or I-something, and we go, right. whoa, and we hit downstairs with other people into these closets, the laundry, and you go, I got to go back. I said, you're not going back. And he, I got to go back. I got to get those pictures. And you darted upstairs, sopping wet. You brought all those pictures down. Say, Coach, if we're going to die, these pictures are still, they're going to find these pictures. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, <laughs> so, so those pictures, they, there was no way to copy them much. You just couldn't take no. a photo of a photo no, you, very you, easily. and You, you, could, you so, could digitize them back then, you know, as, as readily as you can now. And, and uh, we lost those hard copies, I said. If oh, the tornado oh. didn't get us, Mr. Bradley would get us yeah. if we lost those pictures. No, he and, would have um, he would have murdered every all of us. Yes. <laughs> because that yes, was priceless information. Yeah, Sam, are, hold on. Pictures. I gotta go give me a thirty seconds or so, I gotta go to a quick commercial here and uh sure. we'll be right back. Well we're gonna we're gonna talk about the history and the heritage. The history and the heritage of sports and why it's so important, folks, that we preserve the history and the heritage as Coach Chuck Creasy of American Tennis. And as Coach Chuck Creasy, and I wanted to remind you that my book, Coaching Tennis by Masters Press and also, it's McGraw-Hill at this time. You can still get it on Amazon. Just look at Amazon. It's called Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy. And it's more than just a coaching tennis book. It'll talk about the physical, the mental, and the emotional way to train young athletes. And it'll help you in your coaching, and it'll help your youngsters with their play. No other place in the world of sport is there as much written about momentum control and some of the emotional and mental strategies that are needed to be successful in sport. It's called Coaching Tennis, and by the way, last year it was marked as the third best tennis coaching book of all time. And it's still out there, and it's sold over 30 copies around the world, and it's on five of the seven continents. Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy. And go to CoachChuckCreasy.net, ChuckCreasy.net, for more information as well. Off the land, hands and a clean soul. 
And it's Coach Chuck Creasy, and I'm back with American Tennis. And our gift is our gifted guest. Our gift today is the guest, Sam Blackman. And um, Sammy, uh, without history and heritage, things die, and they die very quickly. I put in the introduction for the program that. With the history and the heritage, there is substance. Without it, becomes just simple entertainment instead of great in educational um, endeavor that sports should be. I um, wanted to add the reason I'm in coaching today is because of the respect that I had for the coaches, but also the heroes that I learned about growing up in Indiana. Indiana basketball, of course but also the tennis heroes, the Rod Lavers, the Arthur Ashes, the Stan Smiths, and on and on, the Ken Rosewalls, the Harry Hopmans. All of those people were heroes to me as a young man growing up. And by the way, we just lost the great Dennis Ralston, who was a hero of mine. And I told him before yeah. I got to coach at, against him at SMU when he was at SMU, and I told him that I read an article about him in Sports Illustrated uh, and, you know, I read that what a competitor he was, and I used to play against him on the backboard when I was about a 15-year-old young man <clears throat> in, in my park back in Indianapolis. I used to play matches against people in my head. And, and so the point is <clears throat> history and heritage <clears throat> is so important. Youngsters don't play for points, money, rankings they play for tournaments of heritage and rivalries rivalries are very very important so your work probably at the south carolina hall of fame and all the work that uh, all that you have done first of all do you have a, a, a website or an email that people could reach you would you mind would you sure sure i'd be glad to i have an email i don't unfortunately i don't have a website okay. but i do have an e- email it's a uh, okay. cu umbrella cf55 at gmail.com. C-U, like Clemson University or Cat right, Umbrella. Right. <clears throat> right. C-F-55. Right. Five five That's at, right. At, gmail, at, at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Okay, we'll give it again at and, the end of the show, but... If you're interested in information, learning about history of uh, some of the sports and how to go about it, I don't want to bog you down with a, get a bunch of emails and things from from folks out there. But you are the historian of the whole state. I don't know who I would go to other than you if I needed well, to find you. out information. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about the history and the heritage. You spent long hours uh, researching all the sports all over the state. Uh, you could talk about that right. journey a little bit, and then talk sure. about the importance of some of the stories that that you that you had and learned about. Oh, well, Coach, I want to use our uh, men's tennis media guide for uh, for <clears throat> example. Uh, again, uh, what we used to do, we used to want the bigger and best tennis guide and best. Uh, whatever oh, that's right. You whatever, won the national award several times. Yes. Yes, uh-huh, yes. the best media guide in tennis and soccer and, and things like this. And we always, I'm a very competitive person, and I wanted my media guys to be the biggest and the best, uh, more informative media guy than anybody else around. 
And so what I did, Coach, is I went to the library and trying to find old tennis scores. We had them back to, since 1948. And I was like, well, we had tennis teams before 1948. We're going to find those scores. Before. Yeah, so it took me about two or three years but I went to every, uh, like, uh, whenever we would play Newberry College or Presbyterian College, I said, it's got to be in some newspaper or either their campus, respective campus newspaper. So I I went to every major, uh, you know, the state library, uh, uh, every college library that I could, and I found uh, all our men's tennis scores. That, and it's And like I said, it started out in 1907 with Clemson, and, uh, you know, that's whenever they started the state tennis tournament. Actually, they started the state tennis tournament in 1906 in Greenville, but Clemson didn't have any representatives there. So they, they in 1907, Clemson had a, uh, a representative in the state tennis tournament. That that would be all the colleges in the state of South Carolina would get together and play a tennis championship. And uh, I do have all the results for those state tournaments as well now. But anyway, I I wanted to, you know, put, uh, you know, the results of what Clemson did in those state tournaments. And then Clemson uh, played in their first dual match in 1921, and they played Walford and beat Walford 2 to nothing. They had a single and a doubles team to go over there to Spartanburg. And what I did, Coach, is I got all the tennis results uh, from 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 the past and uh, and put them in our media guides and and it and uh, I would say we were only university that have has all the tennis scores from all the years. You know, from you know, I've looked at right. Uh, if you go to any guides. school, and I would say this too, the ones that I know yeah. the coaches I've talked to. If you wanted to find out who played on the team in 1939 or 1959, a lot of times for that, right. they wouldn't have right. it. No, and that's, uh, that's horrible. So it just – Yes, and we did. And just, what we did, Coach, so you would know who would played on those teams, I did all-time starting lineups from all, from all the way back to 1907 to know who played. See, everybody likes to see their name in print when it's, you know, favorable. And 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 then plus two, it helped the Alumni Association whenever they raise funds to contact these people that play tennis and say, hey, do uh, you want to contribute to our new tennis center or whatever, you know. And I, I just wanted it to be more informative. And I think it really did help uh, link some former tennis players into – giving to, you know, I think when they built that well, new tennis center. More than that, but the importance of it, too. Recently, we both know a school in the state of South Carolina that dropped, and don't mention it, I don't want to bring bad light on it, but they dropped their baseball right. program that was started in 1895 or something. Right. And I go, whoa, right. are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right. We have had folks out there, and this is another topic another day, I think we had something like 55 programs dropped around the country. We had about eight in our area immediately in the southeast. When this virus came up, whether it was just expedient for the athletic directors to drop it or whatever, but 
Again, when you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. Or when you remove the history and the heritage, why not drop it? Like Presbyterian College is vibrant program, and in tennis, and everybody knows about Presbyterian College. I hope they always keep their program. This is to salute you, Presbyterian College, because you had one of the – no one knows that they had the great Jim Layton there and uh, so many great coaches and great players. They had a Wimbledon – I think Alan Morris, who played at Presbyterian, made the quarterfinals yes. of Wimbledon one year. But the point yep. is, if you drop the history of it, you're going to be gone because you're the same as an after-school activity. You know, in, in your yes. – you know, you make the players no more important than the bass that are caught on a bass fishing team in the lake. <laughs> in the yeah. lake. You know, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it just takes away any opportunity uh, and uh, for interest to build, for interest to build. Yeah. So go ahead. I didn't mean to. Yeah, I was, no, I was going to say, you brought up Presbyterian <clears throat> College. They were well known for men's tennis. I think they – Broke Miami's University of Miami's winning streak. I think Miami hadn't lost a tennis match in four or five years. One sixty-eight or six something. Sixty-eight yeah, or sixty. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, yes. And, and Presbyterian broke that streak. Uh, and Presbyterian used to have a lot of tennis stars. They, you know, Steve Spurrier, the famous football coach. His uncle played at Presbyterian College and won state tournament. You know, like I was telling you about this tournament. He won the state tournament uh, in singles, and uh, and it, they've had a rich history of, of men's tennis. Just in the, oh. they were the only ones that gave scholarships in the state of South Carolina during those during those times in the forties and fifties. Wow! And I think wow. they were the first one to have what they call you know what you would see hard courts, what tennis courts made of now. They were the first one in the uh, in South Carolina to have those type courts. Everybody else played on clay courts. Right. That that's that's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. The microwaving yeah. of sports and the diminishing of the history and the heritage will only serve for a temporary entertainment uh Appetite or f- food, food for your appetite. That's right. It'll be no more right. than watching a parade go by one day, or and it won't be a parade that you'll remember. It will be no more than seeing something, a fly-by-night something. And we've got right. to take care of our, our sports heroes. You have so many stories. Yes. Is there any stick? Okay, I remember you talking about O.K. Presley. Everybody knows Trevor Lawrence. But, right. uh well, I just think about him because I'd never known of him before I got to know you. Okay, Presley, and then some of the other sports heroes uh, that you wrote about, the great Banks McFadden, Fred Cohn, Fred Cohn. Yeah, Fred and, Cohn, and, yes. Yeah, so those are, just, those, those are what I call pillars of uh, Clemson athletics. Right, right. And they must be – how do you – respect and honor those people um if you don't have history there's no way to do it is exactly there? exactly there's no way to do it because you you need to know their accomplishments at their time sure clemson has a lot of all americans now on the football roster etc but you got to go back 
to uh, the time where you didn't have as many All-American teams, if you didn't have as many accolades as you do now, but it's but whenever they want accolade, it was big big news. And, uh, and like I said, you got to preserve that history and you preserve that uh, their records and etc. Uh, what uh, was is going on now, uh, Coach? I, I read an article right before I retired. What do you do with all these records? You know, I'm running out of space. What what do you do? And, you know, I read that in one of our magazines that sports information type people get. And a lot of people now, and Clemson is included in this, they're they're putting the records and pictures from from years ago in the special collections uh, at university uh, in their university library. Okay. And, okay. And that's that that's a step in the right direction because. You don't want people just to throw things away just because it's, you know, a few years old, et cetera. So they're preserving it and putting it in uh, what you call special collections or some people, I think, call it, you know, their university museum. You know, it's but anyway, it's a way to preserve the history. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like at the Citadel, there used to be a, a, a coach there. His name escapes me. But I think a lot of his papers are in the Citadel Museum there on campus. Uh, but uh, he was a well-known coach. I'm embarrassed. I can't. Uh, his name just escaped me. But uh, anyway, uh, his 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 uh, record. Coach Bunch. It wasn't like, a tennis. Yeah, Coach, Coach Bunch. Bunch. Yeah, Coach Bunch. Coach Bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah of that, course, of course. Yeah, the tennis center is yeah, named his, after him and his yes sons. His results uh, are there in that university museum and some of his papers. So I was, I'm glad that uh, there are uh, measures to preserve your history, and I hope universities who are, are doing that across the country. You know, Coach, when I was growing up, I read everything I could on sports stars from the years past. And, you know, I you know you would, you know, say, what, what, how did they get started in their career? How did they, you know, go about improving in their sports? And, uh, like I said, I read everything I could on, like, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and all these people. But uh, it's, it, but we got to preserve our history. It, we got to look at sports and competition, not just another. It's just not, it's just not another game. It's just not another season. We got to preserve the history and statistics from the, from these from these folks. And and like I said, I just hope the, you know universities are preserving their histories and uh, and things like this. And you know, one thing that has really I think helped a lot is you're able to scan documents and scan pictures and whatnot and and uh, and and back them up on you know these great big computers that people have now. So I, I think we're heading in the right direction. So we just got to you know keep yeah. keep up that that, I would, that effort. Sam, I would add something though that I'm really worried about. I. Very often in this program, I continue to say, when you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. For example, right. the bowl games. The bowl games right now. We watched right. one bowl one bowl game. The team was 3-7. and seven. I think it was the yeah. Duke's yeah. Mayonnaise Bowl. Yeah. I, mean, I go, what? Yeah. Sam, do you yeah. remember it's how it's... hard it was to be in a bowl game? I watched oh, yes. a replay it's... of the Orange Bowl 
Okay, like when Clemson went to the Orange Bowl, well, it was 30 years between Orange Bowl to Orange Bowl from 81 till when they played again. And then right. I'm going to talk about <laughs> the West Virginia yeah. game there. But they did win the ACC and get to go. But it was it's huge, huge importance to, I mean, oh, yeah. getting to go to the Gator Bowl or anything. Any bowl was a tremendous now. But what they've done, they've figured out how to market I always say, you know, Tang, you know, the astronauts drank Tang, and it was only Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> but they could they right. market things that are just so shallow. So you you champion right. the weak, you weaken the real right. champions. You put it's weak just people like, in – go ahead, it's Sam. It's just like it, – I was just saying it brings to mind just giving all these participation trophies. You know, it's just because you feel the so football team – doesn't mean you need to go to a bowl game and things. You need to, you know, have some sort of, you know, credentials to get in a bowl game. But there's there were so many bowl games now. They do on occasion and, have to take, especially this year, right. teams that have losing records. It, it's laughable that they give rings out for anything. My son plays travel baseball. And they give right. out rings for the champions. He's got like twenty some rings for one tournament. They win. <laughs> to have a sports ring used to be a huge, huge thing. But they sure, pass out. Sure. You don't even have to win. Now, uh, right. if they go to the uh, three and seven team, play four and six team, they go and they give everybody rings. Well, no wonder those kids from I forget what school it was up there. They sold all their rings. And they got in so much trouble, but they sold the yep. kids. Didn't see any value. There was no value. The rings that there's we no got won for. There's no value. We won the championships. We won. We got rings for. I never wear them. I have them in a shadow box, and I'll preserve them and pass them down to my right. children. But they children, are yep. sacred. They are sacred right. because they were earned. They were earned. Right. Uh, you know, I, I tell exactly. a, I tell a real quick quick story there. I was trying to motivate a young man one time, and uh, Bill DeAndre was running. He was a former assistant coach under Danny Ford, but he was running the uh, learning center at Clemson. I was trying to motivate a young man who was just a lot of talent but a little bit lazy. He said, let me talk to him, Chuck. Let me talk to him. So I went, I had him, and I said, you see this ring? He said, yeah, yeah, it's nice. He said, you know what, that far, read it. 1981 national championship. He said, now, if you found this out in the uh, yard, out in the yard or somewhere, you found it, and somebody walks up and he said to you, I'll give you $200 or $300 for that ring. Would you get, would you take it? And he, he said, yeah, I, I guess so. He said, well, look, <clears throat> it took me my whole life to earn that ring. He said, I would not sell it for a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. It means that much to me for the work right, that I did. Right. Now the point is when you champion a week, you weaken real champion. When you give out participation trophies, they mean nothing. Nothing. Exactly. So we've we've exactly. devalued everything so so much. And that's another day, another topic. Sammy, I we only got about two minutes here. I want to wrap it up. Right. I wanted to right. ask you, um the biggest thing I'd like to ask you to pass on to kids out there and people, you spend a countless amount 
of thankless hours working and working and working year after year after year. Okay? Now, your prosperity, I know they didn't pay you as much as they paid your football coaches and things like that. (laughs) But was your posterity worth it? What Uh, the the byproduct? It it was worth it. You know, Coach, I'm a kind of behind-the-scenes person, and I enjoy that role. I used to love seeing people get honored. You know, one thing, one 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 part of, of this uh, good news is we're talking about preserving history. The Hall of Fames are doing a good job put, getting on the internet, put biographical information on people they induct, etc. And I love seeing people get honored. You know that deserved it. Uh, I love seeing that people, deserved it. Like we, we, yeah, we what we would do, coaches, we would. Uh, write up uh, biographical sketches and try to get people in Hall of Fames, you know, like the South Carolina State Athletic Hall of Fame and things like this. And so we really, really, I really enjoyed seeing people get honored or get, or like in tennis, uh, like you've had uh, four players to win Senior Player of the Year awards. Well, I enjoyed writing the biographical sketches of these people and sending it to the men that are women that decided these honors. I love seeing people get honored. So that that was the biggest joy I got well, out of in my my profession and career. Service, service in the end is, uh, and I'll throw this one at you. Many years ago, someone told me. You played honor. You do things to honor God, but there the motivating things are financial reward, material reward, appreciation, association. Listen, self improvement, and service to others. Your service right. to others was above and beyond anything I pr- pretty much have witnessed. To, and you know, I know I've known a lot of coaches that give, 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 give. But you gave more to Clemson University than I could ever, ever imagine. To the state of South Carolina, your dad and your mom are looking down on you, and they're so proud of their son for what you did all those years for Clemson University and for the state of South Carolina and so many people like myself as byproduct. Service to others, right. self-improvement. Sammy, you've had a fruitful, fruitful life. I'm hoping I'm challenge you to write another book soon. And uh, oh, yeah. Where the Tigers Play. And your other book, beside Where the Tigers Play, I didn't uh, prompt yeah, that was, up. It, yeah, Tim Bray, Bray, a former, uh, Tim Bray, a former boss, and I did this book. It's called uh, If These Walls Could Talk. It's a history of, of Clemson football. Okay. It's got a lot okay. of behind-the-scenes stories and things like okay. this, and we're, right. we're very proud of that. Good, good, good. And be, and then self-improvement, service to others, appreciation. Please know how much you're appreciated. Association oh, with you. all the years there. Posterity. <laughs> hey, the prosperity, that's okay, man. We're going to get it in another life. We hope that God will right. smile on the work that we have done. And Sam Blackman, right. God bless you. Folks, again, send him a note if you want. Sam Blackman's email again is say it one more time, Sammy. Yes, C U C C U fifty five at G. What's that? C U C U C F C U C F fifty five at Gmail dot com. And God bless you always and your program now. 
I'm going to play it for other people so that they will know, you know, and uh, know what we're trying to do with sports. And it's not about the flash. It's not about the no. cash. It's about giving to other people. God bless you, Sammy. That's exactly it's right. been American tennis. Come